Father, we honor you. You're holy. You are so holy. Only one word truly defines you. (laughs) Holy. Guys, just open, uh, just open up yourself up. Don't guard yourself. Don't be guarded. Open yourself up, because the hand of the Lord is here. He's, he's giving you revelation on being seated in heavenly places in Christ and what it means to be seated at the right hand of the Father. He's extended His right hand to you this morning. I don't have time to go into all that means, but the Lord has extended His right arm and his hand to you and the hand of the Lord is upon you that's a very very significant marker for your life the hand of the Lord must be upon us it must be or else we cannot be moved by the spirit so this morning we're just going to try this and we're going to see where it goes I'm not going to go by my notes because just want to see what the Lord is wanting to say to us. So I'm just going to depend. You should always study. You should always have notes. But ultimately, you should depend on the Spirit to speak through you to the people. And this is a very monumental time. This is a very monumental day uh, for us because the Lord has uh, placed His hand upon us. And I believe He'll develop what exactly that means more and more. Several scriptures, passages of scriptures together have marked the DNA of of this house and what God is doing. I can possibly go into all those, but the word for this hour for you and me and what God is doing is found somewhat in Ezekiel 37. And then there will be a transitional time which we're in now the next couple of months, well, God will move us into the context of Isaiah chapter 58. So please, on your own time, study Isaiah chapter 58. Because what we're doing now is shifting. You know, when, when Saul got empowered, he set himself apart for a number of years. I think that's very significant in what people need to understand when they're transitioning from one way into another way. That's, that's why when even as an unbeliever and, and you become a believer, you have, you have to be aware of that time frame in which you have to disassociate to a certain extent from one way of thinking or one lifestyle and, and pull away for that time for the Lord to, to heal you and speak to you and transform your mind I mean if Paul needed it my God we need it there was even a time in preparation in the life of Christ where he had to grow into favor with man and God 
I don't believe we're through with that transition yet. I think that we're still in, in that to some extent. But I believe Father is, because is it was three years, relatively speaking, that Paul set himself apart. I mean, if you study the Scripture, you understand from his encounter with the Lord, it was about three-plus years before you see Paul again coming on the scene. Paul had a lot of healing to do. Some accounts of Paul's life said that the, the people that he led would, would so torment the church that they would take infant children, throw them in the air, and catch them with their spear. He so tormented the church. Paul was known throughout Christianity as one of the worst persecutors of the church. And then Paul had an encounter. He did it zealously. He did it after the God that he knew. But he did not encounter Jesus. And so you have to understand when that transition was made, there was a significant amount of persecution within the church toward Paul. Fear. Matter of fact, some accounts were that they were afraid of Paul even after his conversion, even after three years of coming off the scene because they didn't know if he was plotting to find out where they were having church so that he could come in and destroy them again. So Paul, man, if anybody knew what it meant to look in the face of someone, Paul saw people in the congregation. He had slain their relatives. Paul had to look in the eyes of people that he had tormented their families and their churches. So if anybody needed the hand of God, it was Paul. Personally, I believe that that's what Paul wrestled with. Some people believe differently. I believe that because Paul spent about two-thirds of his teaching on the mind. So he knew what it meant to get through that where he stood in front of people and that battleground in his mind. We had to be transformed and to understand that he still had a duty and a call. He still had the hand of God on him. And he had to, had to walk out in the earth that encounter. Paul was actually living out an encounter. That's why we so believe in encounters. That's why I find them so uh, moving to me. Because Father wants us to take things by faith and operate in faith but yet he still allows us to encounter him. And so my life is to be a, a fulfillment and an example of that encounter because if I can encounter Father, so can you. I met a guy this week that knew Justin, and he, man, he just so uh, testified on your behalf. And I thought, my God, our lives are such a testimony you know, Justin, because if God will do that for you, he'll do that for anybody. And you yourself have testified all of the things that those former years took from you. God has restored one by one. <laughs> and the hand of the Lord is, 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 I don't really understand what all this means, but the hand of the Lord is being so extended toward us and the hand of the Lord is being so placed on us that now he's wanting to engage you in the question that he wants to ask you and that is can these dry bones live can these dry bones live can these dry bones live 
and what he's at, he, he's going to begin to transition us into is in Ezekiel 37. And it says, and the hand of the Lord was upon me. Don't ever rush through when the Lord's speaking to you. There's something in every single word. There's, there's a treasure hidden. There's a revelation hidden in just those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words in the King James. There's such a tremendous revelation that when Ezekiel begins to describe this encounter, he feels and senses that the hand of God had come upon him. And I understand Old Testament, New Testament, the hand of God, the anointing coming upon you versus the anointing resident when inside of you. But I still understand that there is something about when Father comes and places his hand on you and that anointing settles on you. And then you are empowered at that moment to do exploits. Elisha, I mean Elijah, 1 Kings 18, I think. Maybe I'm wrong on the chapter, but I think that's right. Where he, rain has been held, and Elijah is about to release the rain by his word. By his word, the rain was held, and by his word, he said it won't rain again until I, I command it to rain again. And it was held. And, and he's, t- he's talking to Ahab, and he says, Man, you better get your horses, and you better get your chariots, and you better get to Jezreel, because there is a mighty rain coming. And then the very last verse of that chapter Elijah said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me, and I outran everyone to Jezreel. The hand of the Lord came upon Elijah to empower him to do supernatural exploits in the earth. The hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel to to move him and transition him into a place that was pulling on the heart of God. These bones were crying out pulling on the heart of God. And Ezekiel had to be carried there so that Ezekiel could could see as God saw and feel what God felt. And then God could have gone on his own, don't we get this, and spoken to the bones. But that, guys, is not how he works. It is not. He has built within his sovereignty, with his sovereignty, completely and wholly intact, he chose it to be this way, that he wants to co-labor with us in the earth. He doesn't want to just come down as a mighty wind and, and touch the dry bones in this region. He wants me and you to co-labor with him and do it. And he said, the hand of the Lord was upon me. I don't want to ever do anything that the hand of the Lord ain't upon me. I mean, I don't want to do any, I don't want to breathe any longer that the hand of the Lord isn't upon me. I don't want to hug my children. I don't want to talk to you guys on the phone that the hand of the Lord ain't on me. I don't want to, I, don't, I, I won't go through the day without it on me. What happened when the hand of the Lord came upon him? He carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. There's a transition there, guys. There's a movement. There's a movement from one place to the next. See, we want to skip over that and look right into what starts happening with the dry bones. 
And we overlook the fact that the hand of the Lord was upon him. He felt it. He knew it. So it was identifiable. It was tangent. It was, it was real. It was a manifestation. And then that hand transitioned him from one area of living into another area of living. From one per- perceived reality into another perceived reality. From his life and his way of seeing things into the God life and the God way of seeing things. God moved him from where Ezekiel was and God took him to where he was. God took him from focusing on his immediate surroundings and God said, I want to show you what's on my heart. And get this, guys. Where did he take him? He took him into a valley. Now, when I encounter Father, like right now, like you feel him on you right now, you sense that, you know what's in this room. If you've ever tasted and seen it, it was sweet. Oh, you know, this, this is sweet. This is what we call, or I call, like mountaintop. This is like being up there in Gatlinburg, where, wherever you are. And what's the highest point? Cleanman's Dome, or whatever they call it. I don't even know how to say it. You're up there, man. And the, just the air's fresh, the air's crisp. You know what I'm saying? And we think always that when the hand of God comes on us, He's going to bring us up to that mountaintop. But that's not where it carried Ezekiel. carried Ezekiel to the valley. The hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and it carried him out. If you need carried out from where you are to a different place, it's going to take the hand of the Lord on you. But the word of God promises that when the hand of the Lord comes on you, it'll carry you out. So wherever you are, if you need to transition or want to transition, the hand of the Lord has been extended to you this morning. To be carried from one place of reality into another place of reality. And ultimately what he wants to do this morning is show you his heart. He wants to show you his heart. And where is his heart? Sure, man, his heart's in here with us. It's in perfect buildings with great lighting and great sound. And I want that. Because I don't think you should do anything for God that's not excellent. If you can make it perfect, it needs to be perfect. But his heart is for the ones that are crying out there. That's where his heart is. That's where he's being drawn. That's where he's being compelled. That's where his, his yearning is for those cries that he needs us to co-labor with him to go meet. So when the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel, it says that he carried him out in the spirit And he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. He set me right in the middle of pain. And guys, listen, we have become so desensitized in American culture from pain. We don't want our children to experience pain to the point that we've never built within them the ability to survive pain. We, 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 in church even, and I think Paul might have mentioned this last Sunday, when people come up to the altar and they're broken, 
We don't want them to be broken. We want to comfort them. We want to put our arm around them and give them a tissue and dry their tears when we ought to just let them be in that moment and experience that pain because that pain in, in, in the core of that pain is their healing. So we build our churches away from pain. We, we develop subdivisions and roads so that we can drive around pain. We don't want to see pain. And I say we because I'm part of you. But when God puts his hand on us and we're moved in the spirit, where does he take him? Right and set him down in the middle of pain, dry bones, broken dreams, people with no life, people with no, they're numb. Why? Because they have nothing but bones. There's no nerves, there's no strength, there's no flesh. He sets him in the valley, in the middle of pain. Isaiah 58. And this is what God is saying to this house. This is what God wants to do in every house. And I honestly believe that every work that starts, God speaks it this way. Yet somewhere we, we disassociate from pain. And he sets him right in the middle of the valley. And he puts him right in the middle of every person's broken dream and disappointment. And even if it's through, this was because of disobedience. These bones were dry because of rebellion and disobedience. Even in the midst of other people's pain that they brought on themselves, that's where God put his hand on Ezekiel and took him to. And Ezekiel didn't see any difference between the dry bones that were dry because of somebody else or the dry bones that were dry because they maybe deserved to be dry because of their rebellion. It was all the same. It was just pain in a valley. And he caused me to pass by them round about. Now, I just overlooked that. But that's significant. Why? Because he didn't just take him down and set him down. He made him walk through the people's pain. He made him look at the disappointment. In those bones, there were adult bones and there were children bones. I believe that he probably saw families laying. Maybe even little, the little dog bones. I think God made him get involved with their pain. Feel it. Get in it. That's what he speaks to us to do. We'll help with pain as long as two or three texts to take care of it. Deal with pain as long as one phone call will make us feel better about somebody else's pain. But God's saying, go to their house, go to the funeral home, go work to the hospital room, go out on the street. He said, get and walk. He made me. He caused me. He made me pass in and walk through the dry bones. And there were many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Did you know there was degrees of dryness? I mean, that's what this is pouring down. He, he, he categorizes it very dry. And the valley was open. It was open. 
meaning there was a way in and a way out. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And again he said to me, Prophesy unto these bones and say to them, What is he asking him to do in the middle of this valley, in the middle of this darkness, and in the middle of all of this pain? He's asking Ezekiel to release the word of the Lord. The same thing he's been asking us to do for 40 days. You're going to see them. What are bones? Bones are the framework. Bones are the framework. So God took him to the framework. These were words. These were dreams. Things that God had spoken. Lay the framework of that word had been laid to dust and was dismantled and, and, and completely cut away. And we've all been there. Can these dry bones live? Can your dry bones live? The word spoken to you that now the framework of those words lay in dust. And all you can see is the pain of that past word. God is holy. And He is supreme. And He is all powerful. There is none like Him. There is none beside him. There is no other. There's nothing impossible with God. There's no password that lays in dryness and the framework dismantled that cannot be summoned together by a fresh word, by a fresh touch. But someone has to engage in the pain. He didn't tell the bones to pull themselves together. Man, I'm, I'm struggling this week. Oh, brother, just pull yourself together. As you slap him on the back. You don't want to engage in that pain because that's going to put us 45 minutes late to habaneros. Come on, guys. I mean, I'm just telling you my experience, okay? I'll use me. I, this is my life, my experience. God is saying, look, my hand's on you. I'm going to allow you to feel. I'm going to allow you to sense it. I'm going to allow you to encounter me. But now, I'm going to send you to the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send you to the valley where the dry bones lay. I'm going to send you into Justin's life, and I want you to sit down with a cup of coffee. And I want you to see where his valleys are. And I want you to see what dry bones lay there. And then I'm going to tell you what words to prophesy to bring the framework of that word back together. That's what bones are. My generation, my children will be known as the repairers of the breach. You know that's who you were? Did you know that's who you were? 
this is good. And again he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. People say, well, you've got a prophetic word about restoring past revivals in this area that God wanted to bring. But there ain't no scripture on that. Hello? Hello? There may not be scripture that you want, that you're comfortable with, but it's there. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm afraid. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear it. Those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Those that have eyes to see, let them see. What ears? Ears that have the hand of the Lord upon them so that they can hear what? What he's saying. Hear the word of the Lord. Guys, I'm telling you, this society no longer needs to hear the church's opinion or doctrine or theology. They need to hear the word of the Lord. What does the word say? You say, well, you don't just read out of the Bible when you speak to me. You prophesy. It is the word of the Lord. If I give you a prophecy that is not in line with the word, you better chunk it in the garbage and say he missed it. Guys, come on. We're mature here. I don't just take every prophetic word that's given me, but when a prophetic word rings true in my spirit, and I know that's the Lord. When the Lord said, we're going to send you into this region to uncapped wails of past revival, dreams that had been dismantled and lost, it's right there in Ezekiel 37. God said, I sent you into a valley. Now, I'm not putting a, a, a derogatory, you know, perception on this region. Guys, this is a great part of the country. I'm just saying that God said there's people here, there's valleys here, there's dry bones, there's dreams and words that have been released over this region that now lay dismantled. Understand now, the framework did not disappear. When you make a declaration, we told you that what you were really doing was setting up a framework, a framework for God to come in and create upon so that there could actually be a manifestation of what you declared. The declaration is the framework, just like these bones. The declaration never leaves. The word of the Lord never leaves. It's there. The words that God has released over your life, they're still there. It may be dismantled, but it's there. The word does not return unto him void. It will accomplish that in which it has been sent. What does that mean? These bones were significant of, the, of that word, even though they lay disjointed and in dryness. Behold, I will cause... Wait a minute. Go back to verse 4. Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. They didn't need... Listen. Um, God gives us revelation on how humans are and he gives us intellectual ability to discern and to help people through medicine, through uh, psychology or whatever. But what people must have before any of that is the word of the Lord. So when you're helping someone, it's good to encourage them. It's good to, to, to rationalize. It's good to intellectualize things and put them within the context of whatever they're living in. Yet, at the same time, the most important thing you could ever give anybody is the word of the Lord. 
That's why we focus on a prophetic environment. Because it's not that we just love to prophesy, it's that we want to create an environment where people can hear the word of the Lord and release the word of the Lord. That's all it is. I mean, it it sounds, when you say, well, it's a prophetic environment, what does that mean? People can hear God and say what God's saying. That's what it means. Why? Because you've got to hear the word of the Lord. I have dry bones. What does the word of the Lord say? If he had walked into the valley without the spirit and without the hand, all he would have saw was dry bones with no ability to prophesy. That's why we got to walk in the spirit. There's something about coming in contact with other people's pain that will heal you. You understand, it's a theory of reciprocity built within the context of the Bible. If you go and minister, you will be ministered to. That's the way God said. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. So he built the reality that the only way I can truly be satisfied as a believer, the only way you will ever be whole as a believer, is when you take the hand of God and the encounter of God in your life and the love of God in your life and couple that within being a minister, a servant like Christ was, then you'll be whole. Then you'll really know what wholeness is. That's why we have got to get together and, and plan a mission trip. We've got to get that done. I mean, even if we just go to back to Nicaragua and go back to those people and stay at that hotel, we've got to get one. Why? Because there's something significant about when people are willing to lay their life aside and go touch the pain of somebody else. It brings a healing that you can't get speaking in tongues and shouting. Listen, I'm not speaking derogatory toward that. I, I believe this house, this, this, this place even though it may not look like this place. You know, it may change. This, this place, this house, is going to be significant to release so many different sounds. We're going to have to be in tune with the Lord, but there will be a time when we're called to release war. There will be a time when we're called to release peace. God's building us within the framework of how He sees things so that we're mature enough to know when and how to do it, and we don't get crazy. Yet we've got to know. When God says release the war drums, we've got to be able to do it. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath. That's what God said when I was laying in the floor. He said, call for the four winds of the earth to come fill this place. Now, I don't have time now to go into all that. But he said, call for the wind, call for the breath, call for the spirit to come into these dry bones. I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. First thing, the first word of the Lord over any set of dry bones is you will live again. You will live and not die. I had a dream once, but hey, it will live again and not die. Guys, we've so convinced ourselves that God is so weak that man, even within the context of us operating in our own free will, is more powerful than him? That is not true. If God can turn the hearts of unbelievers to bless believers, don't you think that he can touch 
the heart of an unbelieving family member or person in your family and bring them. He did it for you. You know, how many of you were born saved and always been saved and didn't have anybody praying that God would affect your will and bring you back into the house? Oh, I don't see no hands. So that means at some point in time, we were all out there in our own free will, making our own choices, doing our own thing. We were big and bad. We were head of our life, right? And then where you sit today? Submitted to a king. Why? Because he has an effect. Quit limiting God. Whatever it is, whatever it is, don't limit his ability to affect you. Well, you know, I've been married to this old stubborn something, something, something for 22 years, and he still won't go to church. I say to you, that dream will live and not die. Faith is the manifestation, the tangible substance of things that you're hoping for. The evidence of things not seen. We operate in faith, but we have this hope that whatever dream has been dismantled in our life will live again. i got to hurry. we got to go to my mom's. But I told mom, you know, she just had to not play anything after one. But I ain't going to keep you that long. All right, hurry. Lord saying, hurry up and get through this. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am God. This is what he was prophesying. Now, if you look up that word sinews and all that, it means uh, it means nerves and tendons. What is that significant of? Don't, don't overlook that and just think that he's bringing people back together. The nerves and the tendons are their sensitivity, their, their perception, and their power. That's what he's bringing back. When he brought that back upon the framework of their promise, that promise now had an ability to be sensitive to its surroundings and it had the power to stand. So now, the first thing that happened when he prophesied, the Bible said he heard a noise and then every bone that was disconnected, boom, snapped back together to its own bone upon bone. In other words, if me and you were laying there in a bunch of bones, my leg and your foot didn't come back together. It was your foot, your leg, your framework. It wasn't a piece of my dream and a piece of your dream. It was what God spoke to me in the fullness of that thing. And it enabled them to not only stand upright in power, but be sensitive. The nerves and the perception. That's all found within that context. Everything they needed to be able to see, to hear, to function, and the power and strength to do it within its own mind. And this is what we released in declaration. When we declared, we set the framework. Now, as we prophesy continuously and through faith believe on that declaration, God will bring into an existence a full manifestation of that declaration. And it won't just be something that we declared. It'll be something that we see. Until these bones were brought together and until all of the, the muscle and all of that was put back on them and then until the skin was put back on them, it didn't look like a person. So he was prophesying under something that he could not physically see in the natural. But once he prophesied it and, and partnered and co-labored with God, it actually became a, manifesting, a manifestation, something that he could really see. Now we know he's talking about 
the nation of Israel, but he's also talking to us. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and I prophesied there was a noise. You heard about all that. You heard about all this other stuff. You've read this a million times. Now, even after they formed a physical body with everything, skin, everything, the Bible says there was still no breath in them. And honestly, guys, I think this is where we, I don't care about, I'm I'm not uh, trying to judge where everybody else is. I'm concerned with what we're called to do. This is where we cannot be. A physical appearance with no, with no voice. When you have no breath, you have no voice. What they did not have was a voice. They had a, a physical appearance. They had something that they could present with no voice. And then God said, we can't be that. We can't be something that we set out to this community with no voice. We cannot be something that we present to people and say God loves you and all that, but not be able to say the word of the Lord says this and say it with the hand of God on us so that things happen. I, I, like, I like to follow and align myself with people who not only prophesy, but, but I like to see people who have things following them. If there's no manifestation, then you're just a lot of hot wind. <laughs> I don't like that hot air. I got enough of that for myself when talking about my wife. I was talking about myself. Oh, great. Now the, the Internet's going to kick on and kick me out of the Scripture. Fantastic. There we go. AT&T at its finest. <clears throat> Let me get down and I'm going to end this. There was no breath in them. There was no voice. There was no word of the Lord in them. And he said to me, prophesy unto the wind. If you go back to the very beginning where it says the spirit of the Lord, if you look at that word spirit, it's the exact same word for spirit, breath, wind, all through this entire chapter. So what he's saying is prophesy to the spirit to come back. Call, summon the spirit back into this thing. I mean, look it up yourself. It's easy study. He said, call. And when he says the, the four, he's talking about all over. He, he, you know, in the scriptures, they'll say the four corners of the earth or whatever. He said, call the spirit back from where, wherever these dreams came from, wherever this word was released from, call it back now. Call all of this back. Call the dream back. Call the vision back. Call everything back in the spirit to this promise. And that's exactly what he's telling us to do. Marriages are failing by almost insurmountable amounts in the house of God. Sure, drugs are rampant. Sure, all those things. And and there's an unbelievable... They say there's three accounts in New York. You've heard of that. uh, Gator, crocodile, whatever they call it. There's, There's a girl in New York died from it. So there's ungodly amount of darkness in the earth but there's never been a better time to have a child that's my personal opinion because I don't care what the enemy presents there's never been a time in my perception 
that there's going to be a church that arises with the power and manifestation, the ability to speak and actually see things happen. The ability to shut up rain in the heavens for three years and then at your voice release the rain. So God said, Mark, I want you to walk in that season and raise your children, raise your family in that season. Wow, what a privilege. What an honor to be able to do that. And he said, call for this. Call for the Spirit to come back. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the wind. Who is he commanding to ask for this Spirit to come back for the dreams that stand there in dryness? He's asking us. He's saying, you've got to go into the valley. You've got to go into where the dry bones lay. And even though you start to see things happening, it's still upon you as a mature Christian. When someone falls into sin, what does the Scripture say? Those of you who are mature in the Spirit restore such a one. In meekness and humility, lest you fall. So we come into all these dry places, the sorriest of the sorriest, just like you were, the most hopeless, helpless people, and it does not say to leave them until they're restored. I understand that some people don't want restoration and there's just certain, I understand all those dynamics. But what he's saying here is get engaged and as long as you have the ability to prophesy and affect it, stay engaged until that thing stands whole again. So it's not just a monthly food program. That's, that's great, guys. We need to do that. I'm not condemning that. But he's not saying, look, don't get energized and go to one place and have a carnival and hand out free food and tell people about Jesus and then don't go back for a year. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm going to send you to places and I'm going to establish you as a point to release my word and I want you to stay there. I want you to only connect with the things where you know you've been sent and have the ability to sustain my voice there until that place can sustain itself in the word of the Lord. That is the whole premise behind the apostolic anointing. That is what an apostle is. That is the anointing on you to be apostolic within your realm of influence. Go in and change the culture until the culture mimics heaven and then be released to go do it somewhere else. That is, that is the apostolic. So what he's saying here is I'm, I put an apostolic hand on this house. And it's not just for me to come in in a black shirt and a little white piece right here and call myself the apostle. I'm not going to be on the episode of L.A. Preachers. It's for all of us to understand that we can all operate. Now, I understand there are offices. It's kind of like what you were talking about, Nathan. We're, we have offices. We, 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 we hold those positions. Christ set those positions up. But in your level of influence and in your world, let's say, you are supposed to be operating in all five. The office of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, those things are for the house. But guys, you don't live here. This is an equipping center. You live out there. You have the anointing to be an apostle in your area of influence. 
We all know people that are hurting. So I prophesied as he commanded me to do. That, that's, I just can't read this. It takes me forever to get through these scriptures. So I prophesied as he commanded me to do. That's a whole sermon. That's a whole sermon. I prophesied as he commanded me to do. Well, Jesus loves you. Bless Jesus. Daddy, Daddy loves you. He would never, you know, command you to do nothing because he's full of grace and love. Just do whatever you want to do, and he, Father's okay. Now, he wants you to try within your best to live right. Well, let me tell you how that's going to go for you. Try anything within your best and see how that works for you. You can't live this in your best. He ain't asking you for your best. He's asking you to partner with him to release his best. And there are times when he will command you to do things. won't be a suggestion, it'll be a command. Do this. You've heard it. You've been riding down the road and seen somebody. You were commanded to stop. You've, you've been sitting there watching Monday Night Football, and God brings somebody to your mind, and you know he's bringing them to your mind because you're getting a command to call them or go see them. And let me tell you something. The hand of the Lord is upon you, or the hand of the Lord is against you. Now, that's not a negative, holier-than-thou thing, but let me tell you what happens. There's favor, right? Salvation and favor are two different things. Understand that. Going to heaven and walking to earth in the favor of God. Two different things. You earn favor. You earn reward. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there are people who walk in more favor than other people because they've said yes more. They've opened themselves up more. All going to heaven, all saved. Different levels of favor. Understand that. So he may say to Nathan... Call Lee. It's Monday Night Football. Nathan's been waiting all week to watch the Steelers. I know you may not be into that, but watch the Steelers play the whoever. And the hand of the Lord comes on you, and you know it. It's a command, and you brush it off. Then it's not that God comes in and smites you, but then there's a cutoff from that favor. In other words, God never brought any of this on these people. They brought it on themselves. There are laws at work. You understand that? There are laws that govern. If God is faithful and God is true, He has to be faithful and true to the laws that He set up. Or else He's a liar. If He lets me by and He holds you to a strict, God is wrong. He's not like that. So God said, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. You choose. So when you choose to let the hand of God come on you and feel that command and not be obedient, then all of a sudden, God is not bringing condemnation on you, but he is putting his hand around the favor and not you. In other words, protecting that because now you're living in rebellion. And it was the same way with them. They didn't know their dreams fell apart because of their rebellion. So he said to him, stay there, prophesy again. Everything looks cool, God. Everything come into place. It looks like everything's going right. But then God said they'd have no voice of their own. They cannot release the word of the Lord themselves. That is also a command for us to engage with people who may not right now know how to stand on their own in spiritual strength. Guys, listen. This is another, this is another revelation of you guys uh, I say you guys, whoever, 
that don't want to submit to spiritual authority and, and draw from the people who have the word of the Lord at that moment that you may not have. You know, I ask, I ask people all the time, what, what, do you, what do you hear the Lord saying? You, why do I do that? So I can just have something to talk about? No, because they may have the word of the Lord at that moment that I'm looking for. And I want somebody to come stand behind, beside me who has that word when I don't have it. And that's what God's saying. They don't have the word yet. Call for the breath. Call for the spirit to come and encompass them and then fill them. And then they'll have their own voice and then you can move on. What he's saying. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And guess what happened? God did his thing. The breath came into them and they lived. And they stood upon their feet like an exceeding great army. So this morning, if you want to, can you play a little bit? I hate to just call you up front like that, but that's not easy to do. This morning, guys, if, ever, if, if, if you'll stand, that's all I got.